Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor welcome to if you really knew me a place for honest conversations about the enneagram to inspire better connections with others ourselves and god i'm kim willie and i'm joined by my co-host and friend ben sarles who is a certified enneagram coach here to help us understand all things enneagram by learning what motivates us and how we see the world we can connect with those we love and care about on a greater level. We're so glad you joined us today, and we hope this is your journey to better relationships. Just when you thought you knew everything there was to know about the Enneagram, you find out there's more to learn. In our last podcast, we started to uncover and answer the question, how can people with the same Enneagram type look different? So today we're going to continue that conversation. Yes, we are. And in episode 18, we discussed how our wings, which are on either side of our Enneagram type, can affect our behavior and make us look different from someone of the same type. If you've not listened to that, we encourage you to go back and check it out. This is part two of that conversation. So today we're going to be talking about another factor that can make people of the same type look different, and that is our subtypes. I am so super excited to dive into this today and just go a little bit deeper about what makes each of us unique. Before we jump into that, though, I do want to remind you to listen to or re-listen to episode 12, which focuses on levels of health and alignment with the gospel. This can also affect how folks of the same Enneagram type look different as well. The three topics together really fit well, I think. But now let's let's jump into today's subject, which is subtypes. Ben, what exactly is a subtype? Each of us are hardwired with three instincts necessary for our survival. These are self-preservation, social, and one-to-one, sometimes referred to as sexual. So the self-preservation instinct helps us to take care of our safety, Uh, our health and our well-being. The social instinct helps us to be aware of other people, both in an intimate situation and in a group. One-to-one instincts help us to have an intense drive for connection and a constant awareness of the chemistry between ourselves and others. We use all three of these, but one is more dominant and influence our personality type. Uh, The second one we use is less often, and the third is kind of repressed. It's considered a blind spot. Mm. So each Enneagram type has three subtypes that look very different from each other, and this gives us the different versions of the main type. See, this is what I was talking about right here. (laughs) There's always more (laughs) to learn, and it's almost like another layer of our personality. It reminds me actually of a verse in Genesis that tells us that we're made in his image. And Ben, I know that you and I can agree that God is amazing Mm -hmm. and it's going to take an eternity to learn all about him. Yes. So if he made us in his image, that means we're complex too. Mm -hmm. We're fearfully and wonderfully made as the word says. And, And that's why I'm so glad we can use the Enneagram as a tool to learn more about those amazing traits he's placed in each of us so that we can connect with him better and others better. 
So let's just dive right into each of these subtypes and see what they what they mean. Okay, <laughs> here we go. The characteristics of a self-preservation, we talked about that. Um, it's focused attention on our survival. Mm-hmm. So um, we're directing energy to safety and energy reserves, and we're constantly calculating if we have different, uh, if we have sufficient necessities. Um do we have enough food? Do we have enough clothes? Do we have enough money? Um, it's a more grounded, practical, and serious um, side of this type. Uh, maybe more introverted. Um, they experience a heightened need for security around others. So is it like the show Survivor? <laughs> Survivor. We've got to survive. Do, do we, we have, have food? Clothes? Yes. Do we have what we need? That's yes. right. Exactly. Um, the social instinct is highly aware of other people and they focus on their attention on belonging, um, recognition and relationships with social groups. If they focus, it's kind of on the influence or standing they have Mm -hmm. in a particular group. Um, we're very aware of the attitudes around us, Hmm. um, secret personal connection with others and want to stay in contact with people involved in their inner world. Hmm. Another trait is we want to have positive impact on people in the world. And this subtype tends to be more warm, Mm -hmm. more open, socially aware. Uh, They engage with others. They desire to share similar passions with those close to them. Awesome. So very aware of people. Yeah. Some characteristics of the one-to-one instinct is... Not to be confused with their main instinct because they desire to have one-on-one relationships with another person because all three instincts desire that. Mm -hmm. It's an intense drive for intimacy. They immediately know if there's a connection between them and another person, always moving toward that intense connection in relationships and in the activities they do. They're more energized Um, than the other instincts of the subtypes, making them a little bit more competitive, aggressive, Hmm. emotionally intense. The depth of their relationships is what brings them great satisfaction. So what you're saying is the same subtypes of any number share traits with each other. Is that right? Like, so for example, would all self-preservation subtypes of of the each number share the same characteristics? Yes, that's correct. Self-preservation type one and self-preservation type 2 and self-preservation type 3, the instincts for each type have some shared uh, characteristics. Okay. Um, it makes that person look different based on their dominant instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go type by type and touch on the self-preservation, the social, and the one-to-one instinct of each type. Okay. You mentioned earlier that the subtypes are necessary for our survival. Does that mean we draw on them only when we're in a situation that requires like survival mode or do we tap into them all the time? Well, we actually tap into them all the time, depending on what our needs are at the moment. We use all three, but one is dominant. Um, The second one we use a little bit less, but the third one is kind of like a blind spot. Okay. Well, let's jump right in. Why don't we start with type fives? Okay. Uh, Type five. So there's little descriptors that can, you know, so the type five self-preservation has a descriptor and the mm-hmm. social. So um, I'll kind of go through um, kind of the descriptor for each one as well. Okay. The self-preservation 
type is also known as the castle for type 5. Hmm. For a type 5, the self-preservation subtype, um, their primary focus is on creating isolation to remain safe from intrusion. They have a strong need to control their boundaries and privacy. They're focused on having all their resources uh, that they need within their own castle so that they do not need to depend on anyone for their survival. They are the least expressive of the three, five subtypes and they usually are the most introverted as well. I visualize a moat around a castle so you can't get in. (laughs) That's right. Every castle has a moat and I'm going to let the bridge down for the people that I want to come across. Only the special people. That's right. And if not, I've got little, little, meat eating something swimming around in the dragons, <laughs> <or> <laughs> dragons and alligators and yeah no one gets in to see the wizard that's no way, right no that's right <laughs> um and then that that fortress helps me preserve um whatever things that i need so i i'm self um reliant self-sustaining that makes yeah. sense that makes sense yeah the social subtype is referred to as totem hmm. um the social subtype are the most extroverted of the three subtypes for a type five. They search for knowledge because to them, knowledge brings power and security. They're focused on intellectual pursuits, on a cause or a system of thinking in order to bring meaning to their life. Mm -hmm. They might share their knowledge, values, and ideals, but not their space, time, and resources. They tend to only relate deeply to those who seem outstanding and share the same ideals as them. So here's an example. It's like you want to learn more about how shoehorns were created in the, you know, (laughs) tell me how much you want to know, and then I will tell you how much there is to know. Okay. You know, so it's, it's, I will share my knowledge. Yeah. But within the confines of what resources I'm going to give you. So I've got this much time to tell you whatever you need to know. Yeah. And then when that time's up, I'm done because I have to Reserve the energy. Keep the reserves. The fives do. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. So the one-to-one subtype of a type five is characterized with the word confidence. This subtype can appear as a type four since they have a more romantic side. Um, They feel deeply and have more obvious desires and suffer more internally. They might express their inner life through some form of art or creativity. This desire to find an ideal partner who perfectly represents absolute love and trust, but this relationship needs to be contained in private. Mm. So very private. This is also the counter type to a type five, which means it looks the least like a type five of the three subtypes. Wow. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. So I was thinking about creativity for a type five, you know, type fives some of their knowledge is their creativity. Like I'm going to tell you the best path to get there. Yeah. And I'm going to figure out like sometimes their processes, people and data people. Mm -hmm. And so I've looked at the data and here's the best process and here's my supporting, you know, resources. You can look it up, but I'm telling you this is right. And trust me, I got this. (laughs) So let's say they have cooking as a, um, creativity. Mm-hmm. They're going to approach it intellectually, but it's going 
to they're going to use that to create relationships. Hmm. So just because a five sometimes thinks about emotions instead of feeling the emotion, they're going to they still have a drive for connection. It's just going to be within the confines of what they have to give. Yeah. So, I, think, I think from my experience, I feel like they're more choosy with the connections. Yeah. Instead of like, let me meet a hundred people. I want to meet right. a couple solid people that I'm yep. going to connect with. And I feel like, and that, and that can be a really good thing. Yeah. And let's say they use something creative, like we're talking about with the one-to-one. Um, let's go with the cooking. Someone will feel very loved mm-hmm. and taken care of by the time the type five gets done preparing the meal. They're, yeah. If you're with them during the process, they're going to have... A very, you know, we're going to have exactly one cup and we're going to level that puppy <laughs> off. So there is, you know, yeah. but it's going to do that for the sake of being the best it can be to take care of someone. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So the, the, the whole counter type is, is very interesting. And I can see how that makes a person look different. It look like a different Enneagram type. So it's pretty neat how these whole subtypes and counter types work. So tell us about uh, type six. So type six... The self-preservation, the descriptor for this is the word warmth. They are the most phobic of the type sixes, and their fear expresses itself as insecurity, worry, and self-doubt. They desire friendship and connection so they can feel safe and secure. To feel protected, they will take on a surrogate family. They will form alliances with friends and people they trust to shield themselves from danger. To gain allies and feel safe, they will be warm, friendly, and trustworthy. Mm. So it's, you know, as we talk about a type six and the surrogate family, like I kind of feel like we can learn a little bit from that Mm. because we can't choose our biological family. And just because they are family by blood doesn't mean they necessarily act like how a family should act kind of thing. And so... Type six is taking on a surrogate family means I'm going to find some people who will act like a true family should. You know, type sixes and the loyalty um, that they give, it is going to be to people that they want connection with and that will have connection with them. I've heard the term use family. Which yes. is friends that feel like family. Yep. So maybe yep. that's what this this there type and subtype does. Yep. The social subtype is described as duty. They love accuracy and precision, and they do not tole- tolerate ambiguity. They see life and situations in black and white. They deal with fear and anxiety by knowing what the rules are so that they can adhere to them and be above reproach. They also adhere to the way a group thinks and focus on identifying who is good and who is bad. They can be legalistic and focused on their duty, making sure they don't stray away from what is expected of them, feeling secure by obeying the rules. Mm. So black and white. Yeah. You know, that's it's kind of like either you're good or you're bad. Yeah. We all kind of do that with different things. Yes. Um Again, when you give loyalty, you're trying to figure out who a person is in the, their deepest part. So yeah. part of what they do is accuracy and precision. So they translate that into relationships as well. Awesome. One to one for type six is strength and beauty. 
it is also the counter type. This is the counterphobic type six. Instead of caving to fear, they press in with strength and intimidation both verbally and physically. They exhibit boldness, strength, and bravery toward those who might want to harm or hurt them. The biggest defense is a good offense. Sometimes this subtype can look like a type 8, but they still struggle with anxiety, self-doubt, and worst-case scenario thinking. I just, as, as we go along, the subtype thing is fascinating to me because I'm really seeing the different ways it brings out completely different character in somebody. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the last thing we talked about, like the counter type, it can look like a different number. Yeah. But it's still, the, we go back to the motivation. The motivation yeah. yeah. That makes sense. What about type sevens? Type seven self-preservation is keepers of the castle. (laughs) (laughs) So one person's a castle and the other person is the keeper. So they should be best friends. (laughs) Yeah, you should be best friends. So type sevens are more in touch with their anxieties. So they strive to make alliances with others to create opportunities so they can get their needs met. Um, They find safety in being pragmatic and focused on their well-being. But they network They do this by networking and being alert to any opportunity that will support their survival and need for fun. Mm. They're cheerful, talkative, and upbeat. People generally admire them, so they tend to get what they want through their charm. Their lifestyle is more self-indulgent. So the counter type for a type 7 is the social. And this can be described as sacrifice. Um, The subtype is more of a counter gluttony and tends to be Mm. more conscientious of others by serving them before fulfilling their desires first. So again, the counter type means the one that looks the least Least like like the the type. They have a desire to sacrifice their own needs and avoid taking advantage of others and being good. To be seen as good, they go against their gluttony. They feel valued when they can express excitement, enthusiasm, and joyful anticipation of things to come. And they have a very positive outlook on life. So when we talk about gluttony, Mm -hmm. um, that word has to do with sevens filling themselves up with stimulating experiences. So in that sense, it's gluttony. I'm going to keep filling myself up so I'm always full. Yeah. So I'm never bored. Yeah. It doesn't mean that sevens eat more than no. any other type. <laughs> no. no, because putting things in us is not just physically like food. It's it's like filling, filling yes. a void, if yes. you will. Yeah. Yes. So the one-to-one for a type seven is suggestibility. They express their gluttony by envisioning something bigger and more spectacular than what is common or realistic. They're very idealistic dreamers and can live in their imaginations. They tend to see the world and opportunities through a positive lens. They bring great optimism and see the many possibilities in life. They can be naive, gullible, and easy to persuade. They are confident enthusiastic, lighthearted, and love focusing on exciting possibilities. Mm. It's it's a kaleidoscope of colors here with all these different So many little colors. We got all the colors and it's so... All the colors all the of colors. the rainbow. What about our type 8 friends? So type 8, the self-preservation is described as satisfaction. This subtype expresses their passion for lust 
by focusing on obtaining what they need for power, position, survival, and control. They're independent, strong, practical, and tough-minded, and they seek to have control of whatever resources they need to maintain their independence and dominance in every situation. They tend to get what they need to survive and provide for their family. They often misrepresent as a type five. Hmm. They tend to get what they want and are good at bargaining and bartering. They have a need for material wealth so that they can remain independent and self-reliant. Wow. So um, we're talking about lust. Yeah. And it is talking about lust for the fullness Mm -hmm. of life. Like all that I need to be in control and in the driver's seat and survive. Um, So why the word lust is used is because any of the three subtypes deals with lust in a different way. Okay. Just like type sevens, all of the type sevens deal with gluttony in a different way. Okay. And that goes back to um, some, some refer to it as, um, the sin of each type. Hmm. But it's really kind of like something we focus on. Rather, I I don't like to call it a sin. I like to call it what we focus on so that we get a better understanding of what Mm -hmm. it is. So eights focus on lust, having the fullness of what I see and that Mm -hmm. can be had. Um, So as we go, each each type will have another word like um, gluttony or lust. Okay, gotcha. The social for type eight is solidarity, and this is the countertype. This subtype expresses their passion for lust in service to others by protecting and supporting others. This is the countertype who is a helpful type eight. They appear to be more loyal and less aggressive. They tend to viscerally step in to help someone weaker if they're being picked on or harmed. And this goes to the, they have a, a, a strong sense of injustice. Yeah, makes uh, sense. what's going on. So they're more overtly friendly, nurturing, and concerned with the injustices that happen to people, yet they still have an antisocial aspect to them regarding society's rules. Mm. Uh, they're more outgoing, mellow, and less quick to anger. Okay. The one to one subtype of a type eight expresses their passion. For lust through relationship by being charismatic and emotionally intense. And this subtype is referred to as possession. Uh, Possession means they tend to take over the whole environment and demand everyone's attention. They enjoy the thrill of intense stimulation and adrenaline rushes. They adore their loved one but can treat them condescendingly. They want their partner to be as strong as them so that they can relax and not have to be the adult who is constantly (laughs) taking care of and providing for everyone. They're the most rebellious, provocative, and antisocial type eight. Adulting is hard. (laughs) Adulting. So we talk about type eights having their armor on. Mm -hmm. If they love you, they want you to be protected. Yeah. And so that when it talks about treating them condescendingly, they want you to be tough and strong and, you know, being able to be protected. So they can use that as an opportunity to help you get there. (laughs) I don't don't think it's trying to be bossy. I think it's like, I love you so much. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure you are protected 
and taken care of. So please yeah. do what I'm asking because it's going to keep you safe. Yes. And there's a you can see that there's a piece in each one of these where if you identify with this subtype, there's a piece where I can learn a little bit like, yeah, OK, they just said condescendingly. That's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So maybe I need to make sure that people know what it is that I'm trying to do so yeah. they don't take it a different way. If they know your motivation, <gasps> this is let's go back to that original type. type. That's right. Hey, if they know your motivation, which is to me is your heart. Yeah. If they know your heart behind why you're mm-hmm. asking them to do or whatever. Yeah. Then it'll be received better. But we need to also remind ourselves that not everyone knows what's in our heart unless we tell mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So if we're just like rambling off things for them That's to right. do, it's not going to come across the right way. So this is yeah. one of those introspective moments we take yes. and we look at ourselves and go, how is what I'm saying and doing being perceived by those I love? Yeah. I'm loving them so hard that it's like beating That's them right. over the head. <laughs> That's right. And, and then, you know, it's kind of like, each of us have a message to share. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very interesting that if we knew a little bit about what marketing is mm-hmm. and while we know the Enneagram, is, marketing is getting your point across in a way that people understand yeah. and connect with. So it's, it's all about like the presentation. <laughs> if we market the point we're trying to make, we're going yeah. to think of it like, how is it going to be received? Is it going to be received the way that we intended it? Yeah. My husband says presentation is everything, and you can serve the most delicious uh, steak, just say, I don't know, filet mignon, and it's cooked perfectly. But if you serve it on a trash can lid, Mm -hmm. it's not as appealing, and you probably don't want to eat the steak. No. But if you serve it on a nice plate with fork and knife Mm -hmm. and all that, it's going to be received better, and I guarantee they're going to enjoy the steak. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we can talk about our conflict coping style and our reaction Mm -hmm. to things. Yeah. So going back to the condescending, like if someone's condescending to me, I am not, my first thought is not, oh, they're trying to help. They love me. (laughs) So they're trying to help me be strong. I'm like, okay, daddy, why don't you take over and do everything? Because evidently I'm not yeah. I have no, I don't have brain cells to rub together. You know, that kind of don't thing. Don't love me like that. You don't love me. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a great place to take a short break. Lots of good info we're learning today. So we'll be right back. Do your kids love listening to great stories? It can be tough finding a kid's podcast which upholds your Christian values. Story Jumpers features exciting, entertaining stories by authors who write from a Christian worldview. Each episode is created with kids in mind. Audiobook clips are followed by a brief author interview your kids will find fascinating. This is a podcast for kids. Subscribe to Story Jumpers wherever you listen to podcasts. Story Jumpers is a member of the Bridge Podcast Network. Welcome back. We are talking about subtypes, and I'm loving this information. I'm learning a lot today. So, Ben, let's pick back up with a type nine. A type nine. Self-preservation for a type nine looks like the word appetite. Hmm. And sometimes type nines are their, their thing they struggle with, let's put it that way, is sloth. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, oh, type there we're now we're calling type nine sloth. <laughs> just being name callers. <laughs> it just means that there the pace at which, which we go and how we um show up to life mm-hmm. 
can sometimes look like a sloth. Maybe you know, easing into it. I'm here, yeah, but I'm not here. Yeah, you know, or I'm going to phone it in for you today because I don't have any energy, yeah. and you know this very difficult thing that I need to do. I'm going to do everything else, <laughs> yes. and then I'm going to come back to that. Yeah, and with keeping my you know comfort and energy levels and all that mm-hmm. in perspective. So. Um, with appetite, uh, they express their passion for sloth not fully showing up by merging with familiar routines and physical comforts. They seek out supportive environments where they are untroubled by other people's influence and expectations. They have their own pace, routines, and philosophy of life, and they'll stubbornly resist any demand to change <laughs> these. They are patient, grounded, and have a good amount of common sense. If their lifestyle is disrupted, it is extremely difficult and challenging for them as they use routine to mm-hmm. help them forget about themselves. I love routine. So there's a lot right there. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about sloth a little bit. Um, we'll stubbornly resist any demand to change these. So I've talked about... The most stubborn number on the Enneagram yeah. is a type nine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's it's like, I don't want conflict, Yeah, but I'm not going to do what you're saying. Yeah. So I just won't tell you that and we won't have this discussion, but... <laughs> so there won't be any conflict. <laughs> I will not be moved, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, And, you know, using routine to help them forget about themselves. Hmm. So it's like, what do you mean forget about themselves? Well, sometimes... Because type nines merge so much with other people, mm-hmm. you can lose yourself in the process. You can say, well, wait a minute. I really don't want to do this. I just don't want conflict. So I've been do- keep doing these things that if I really think about it, I don't want to do. Yeah. And um, that's where merging and forgetting about themselves comes into place. Gotcha. So the social subtype for the type nine is participation in which that's the counter type. Mm-hmm. This Just sub- the word sounds like yeah, the counter the word. <laughs> yes. I'm going to participate. That's right. This subtype expresses their passion of sloth by trying to merge with a group. So they feel like they can belong somewhere. They never fully feel like they fit into the group. Um, and this is the counter type because they're more outgoing mm-hmm. and active, involved with the world and others. They're optimistic and tend to be the glue in society, yet they will still withhold themselves emotionally. They can resemble a type 3 or a type 7 because of their cheerfulness and task orientation, but they will still struggle with inertia and with fully knowing and pursuing their desires. Hmm. Awesome. One-to-one for the type 9 is fusion. This subtype expresses their passion of sloth, not fully showing up, by merging or fusing with someone. They take on attitudes, ideas, and feelings of another since it feels too difficult to stand on their own. This gives them internal anxiety because they tend to lose themselves and their identity in the process. This causes an internal battle between the desire to merge and the need for autonomy, and it makes them resemble a type 4 and a type 6. They are kind, shy, gentle, and not very assertive, they take in the world with awe and wonder like a child. Wow. It's so funny to me how a social nine is so different from a self-preservation nine. And I think it's a great 
time in the conversation just to remind ourselves that they both have the same core motivation that we've talked about as a type nine does, but how they go about things is different because one is wired to focus on maybe self-preservation strategies and the other one's wired for social strategies. It Once again, it's amazing to me how unique we are. Mm-hmm. God knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's jump into our type one friends. Type ones. The self-preservation type one uh, can be referred to as worry. This subtype represents a true perfectionist aiming to perfect themselves and less focused on perfecting others. They repress their resentment and instead use that energy to refine themselves in all areas of life, such as nutrition, fitness, finances. Their defense mechanism converts their resentment into warm and friendliness toward others. This keeps others from seeing the degree to which their inner critic is constantly berating them. Mm. They are responsible, neat, structured, punctual, and they need to control chaos and carefully plan out their lives. I see that as somebody who like runs marathons. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're totally focused on, I'm going to attain this and I'm going to take care of myself and, you Mm -hmm. know. I'm using that perfectionism to try to make sure that everything in my life is in place. Yeah. And sometimes they really look like they have it all together. Yeah. This might be the person that you work with that always has a neat desk. And every time they leave, (laughs) it just looks like, oh, it's so pretty. And it's so everything's in its proper little place. There's never a stack of anything left on their desk for tomorrow. And if there is, it's a neat little stack with everything just where it's supposed to be. But inside they they are they have the inner critic and i think sometimes the worst critic can be to ourselves and Mm -hmm. not other people and i think that's what we're and sometimes controlling our surroundings and our situations can give us a sense of security yeah and take it feel like it's going to take some of the worry away yeah makes sense so social for the type one can be referred to as non-adaptability this subtype sees themselves as the perfect role model for others They pride themselves in finding the right way to do something, having the perfect stance on all issues or problems, and demonstrating their correct ways to others. They are often skilled and inspirational teachers. They can also be quite rigid, holding fast to what they think of as the right way, not allowing room for others' interpretations or perspectives. Their teaching mentality can lead to a sense of superiority or judgment. Hmm. So um, some of this, I'm sure, is hard to hear. Um, (laughs) Because if you think of it, think of it this way, the self-preservation wants to perfect themselves. Mm -hmm. And the social wants to perfect others. Yeah. So if you think about it, why do I want to perfect others? It's not because I feel like they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. It's that I want them to be the best that they can be. So when we're talking about... motivation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about marketing our message Mm -hmm. to each other in our relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be controlling and critical. Mm -hmm. It may come across as that, but what I'm really trying to get at is let's be the best we can be. Yeah. So that's that will be a a something for type ones to learn how to get that to be received yes, by others. Exactly. The one to one 
for a type one. One to one with the one and the one, one, one. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> the one to the one, one to one for a type one is zeal. And this is the counter type. This subtype is more accurately described as reformers focusing on perfecting others and society than perfecting themselves. They express their anger more than the other two subtypes to improve others and to get what they desire. They believe they have the right and obligation to change society. They know the right way things should be done, and they voice it passionately. This is the counter type because they can appear like a type eight because mm. they're more impulsive and express their anger outwardly. Wow. So the anger referring to the type ones being in the anger triad mm-hmm. or the doing triad. So what type ones do with their anger tends to be to repress it. So it kind of turns into resentment. Mm. So when we when we talked about the self-preservation, we talk about the resentment a little bit. Yeah. It's all so interesting. I love this. Uh, What about type twos? Type two self-preservation can be referred to as me first or privilege. (laughs) (laughs) This subtype unconsciously persuades others to give them what they want or need by acting childlike. Their youthful disposition, being playful at times irresponsible and charming, entices others to give them attention. The fear of rejection causes them to cover up their pride. Since they don't want to open themselves up to the vulnerability of someone saying no to them, they are more indirect in their requests. They do not desire to be esteemed for how they help and support others, but rather pursued and cared for for simply being themselves. They want others to love, value, and prioritize them. So Aww. this is referred to as the counter type. So you think type twos are helpful. Well, there's actually a type two that isn't seen as much as helpful hmm. as the others. That's why it's the counter type. So yeah. let me give you an example of what I was saying. Um, I could really use a nice cold drink right now. <laughs> Don't you think I could use a nice cold drink right now? Sure, Ben. Would you like me to get you a nice cold Boom. drink? <laughs> right there. Boom. You're Suggestion. getting me in in a, in a childlike way. Yeah. You're going to go get me a drink. Yeah. And that's going to take care of me or whatever. Gotcha. Ooh, burr. It's cold in here. Ooh, mm. Is there a blanket nearby? Ooh, you know, if I just had a nice throw or mm, something just to sink right in and mm, mm, mm. then another two might jump up and say i've got it here's one (laughs) (laughs) it's getting people to take care of their needs so Mm. yes i could go get it but i'm gonna feel like people love me if they go get it so i'm gonna i'm gonna just help them know what i need right now you know help them along in the process <laughs> so in marketing their message that i need love yeah <laughs> it can be like honestly go up and get yourself a yeah. <laughs> blanket get a drink, and a get drink a blanket. <laughs> and a drink while you're up there and but you know what i can see that and i you know especially since you just gave that scenario i i've had that happen where i heard somebody say wow i could really use this right now or whatever and you're just thinking oh okay well yeah. Would you like me to get that for you? And it's like the power of suggestion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really yeah. Works. I could really use a drink right now. Well, I'm glad I got my drink. No. Yeah. <laughs> I could really use a trip That's to nice. Hawaii. Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? <laughs> well, I could use a million dollars, but guess what? No. <laughs> That's so funny. So the type two social is described as ambition. And that's kind of the more adult 
if you will, of the type twos. They tend to have a desire for more power and excellent at persuading or wooing an audience. (laughs) They're often mistyped as a three or an eight. They tend to be generous to get people to follow them and see them as influential and competent. They feel loved when friends, family, and colleagues highly regard them. They fear being left out, so they make themselves indispensable by supporting, giving advice, and helping a group or community. They desire honor and seek prestigious positions to receive benefits and gain notoriety. Mm, Interesting. So I was listening especially to that because I am a type 2 social subtype. Okay, okay. And I was like, ooh. And you kind of feel like, (laughs) you know, type 2s, you know, confidently insert their advice. And why is that? You know, why? To be helpful. It's to be helpful. And why am I trying to be helpful? Because I want to be seen as someone who's needed. And Mm -hmm. I love having this person around. And so the social type is the more ambitious. They, They can woo an audience. They feel loved when friends and family highly regard them. And I'm like, ooh, ow, ooh, ah, you know. (laughs) I resemble those remarks. That's right. (laughs) What about the... One to one. The one to one for a type two is aggression or seduction. This subtype focuses mainly on seducing someone to meet their needs and desires. To them, this feels like love and profound intimacy. They strive to be physically appealing sometimes and like to assert power. Uh, They present themselves as irresistible. To feel their need for love and admiration, they inspire others by expressing positive feelings and passions. When their seduction efforts work, they feel inflated and on top of the world. When they don't work, they feel extremely deflated Mm -hmm. and rejected. So when we talk about what our worth is, Mm -hmm. um, how God sees us, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want us to just feel that when we're getting feedback Mm -hmm. that are is positive he wants us to believe it because it's true so in those deflated and rejected times where we feel that um it's we speak truth back to that Mm -hmm. and even though we feel deflated that doesn't change the fact that we're loved and we're valued and exactly and, and even that the people around us just because we're deflated doesn't mean people don't want us anymore. Yeah. You know, but so that's part of the thing for a type two, you know, emotions driven in the sense I'm very aware of what others need. Oh, yeah. And so if I'm not getting feedback, then I'm not helpful. Then people don't love me and want me. Yeah. So it's kind of like understated. Like I'm not in my mind. I'm not saying it like that. Mm-hmm. But if I get down to the motivation it's like, oh, you know, yeah, I kind of. It's probably right. Yeah. 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 And I can tell just by some of these descriptions that we've gone over so far that some there's someone right now thinking this info is hard to stomach, you know, because it, it may not show us in the greatest light. But we just have to remember that the Enneagram is a tool to learn more about ourselves. And then we can ask God um, to help us, you know, bring awareness and healing to areas that we need We need his help to make us more like him. He's not surprised by any of these characteristics that we're talking about today because he created us. And there's a scripture in the Bible where Paul talks about a thorn in his flesh that he constantly deals with. And I am blown away that it never tells you what that thorn is. And I think that's I think that's on purpose. 
I think it's so that we can all relate to something in our lives that we struggle with. And it helps us to focus on the one, which is God, who truly is able to help us in that area. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I used to be like, why didn't they, why didn't they explain what the thorn was? Because if it was something that you would have never related to, you'd be like, ah, oh, well, that was Paul. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very intentional because we all deal with something that we're like, mm, why, do, why does this part of me keep coming back up? Mm-hmm. God created us that way. And I think it's to help us be more reliable to rely on him more, not yeah. us to be reliable, but yeah. to rely on him more. Yeah. And I think too, you know, when we think about how are, how are we created, you know, we are created a certain way for a reason. Yeah. And I think a big part of that reason is that's what we're supposed to bring to the world. Yes. So if we're, you know, we look at, you know, some of the, you know, these subtypes and stuff, you know, we rely on God to change what our go-to response is into what he intended us to be. So that's what we offer the world. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like this is giving us a vision for our life that Mm -hmm. God gave us because he created us this way for Mm -hmm. a reason, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's pretty cool. Um, You can say the Enneagram lets me know what my vision for my life needs to entail. Yeah. Because it does show us our strengths as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're seeing some weaknesses, mm-hmm. but remember, in our weaknesses, he is made strong. Yeah. So I, we have that for a reason. Because mm-hmm. if we would just have all the strengths, I think we'd be cocky and confident and go, I right. don't need God. But I think he knows what he's doing. He <laughs> Let's is be the honest. One, yes, he <laughs> is the solution, the treatment, the transformation. Mm-hmm. The answer to it all. Okay. Type three self-preservation can be known as security and this is the counter type they hide their vanity by being a good role model they seek to be admired by others by looking and being good but without outwardly bragging they can be mistyped as a one and they want to be the perfect model of what a person should be polished hardworking, effective and productive they have a difficult time identifying their inner feelings and tend to think that love is about fulfilling their role mm-hmm. in this relationship. Their interactions with others are more transactional than emotional. This subtype is most prone to being a workaholic, mm-hmm. which can cause problems in their relationship. Yes. Mm. Don't want that to happen. Workaholic. If you're a type three self-preservation, that kind of hurts a little bit. Yeah. Because what you're trying to do with your work is you're trying to be polished and hardworking and effective. Suzanne Stabile says a statement, what you focus on determines what you miss. Hmm. And if you're focusing so much on work, that will determine that you will miss things in your relationship. Like family. Like family. And that is part of what you need Mm -hmm. to feel loved. Yeah. So a social type three can be referred to as prestige. They are focusing on achieving, looking good, getting their to-do list done. They're prone to vanity. They garner attention and seek as much influence and admiration as possible. They enjoy the spotlight and strive to climb social and professional ladders. They can be very competitive and aggressive in pursuing success. They fear being exposed and embarrassed, so they try to hide any negative emotion or unflattering traits about themselves. They are masters at knowing what is expected of them and can shapeshift into the most admired and charming person around. Mm, Awesome. (laughs) 
The one-to-one can be known as either masculinity or femininity. This subtype is all about accomplishing physical attractiveness. And I want to pause and say, yes, it can be, you know, I say physical attractiveness. Yes, it, it can be physically looking good, but it's also focusing on how you present yourself physically. Okay. Um, so when you're in a room, how are you presenting yourself? Yeah. It needs to be attractive. Yeah. Um, they focus on being a support to others. They tend to be more focused on their family and do not have the same need to be in the spotlight as the social subtype. They support and connect with others trying to get the help and support they need and desire. So it's kind of like, I'm going to support and connect you, and that's going to help me get what I need. Yeah. They create strong bonds with specific people by being attractive, generous, and kind. They can be a force of nature and emotionally turbulent. Hmm. I definitely resemble some of the remarks from a social (laughs) subtype of three. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is hard. Sometimes you're reading that and you're like, yeah, I, I need to be honest. I see that I do that. Okay. Thanks for making me aware, Lord. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about type fours? Type fours, the self-preservation is tenacity. And that is the counter type for a type four. This subtype doesn't look like a typical type four and can often be mistyped. They exhibit all the darker feelings of a type four, but they deal with their emotions privately and typically put on a happy face around others. They keep their emotions private and are less dramatic. They are long-suffering and stoic in the face of suffering. Hmm. They have a certain toughness to them since they are concealing a great deal of pain. They hope their self-sacrifice will be recognized Mm -hmm. and appreciated. Okay. So um, we talk about darker feelings Mm -hmm. of a type four. Type fours intuitively can feel the deepness of a situation Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like all the feelings that can be felt about this subject they can feel Mm -hmm. and tenacity makes it seem like okay they're you know it's intense yeah and just because type fours are withdrawing number their emotions are intense Mm -hmm. and so the other number that shares that same intensity is a type eight they're Fours and eights are very tenacious about what it is. So type eights are not about feelings. Mm -hmm. It's about doing. Yeah. Um, But type fours are very intense about their feelings. Wow. The social for a type four is shame. And the envy of this type fuels their feelings and causes them to feel more shame, suffer more emotionally, and be more sensitive. They draw others in and seek to get their needs met by magnifying their pain and suffering. Melancholy brings them a sense of comfort. They desire to be part of a social group, but they tend to compare and be envious of others. This makes them feel defective, flawed, and full of shame. They seek attention through their suffering, their moods, and their lamenting. Wow, that's deep. It's deep, and if you think shame, what is shame? It's feeling like... I don't have, it's about me as a person. Mm -hmm. It's not about what I can do. I am less Mm -hmm. than this other person. I don't have what it takes. And then, so we're talking about envy. Yeah. Um, That is what all type fours will deal with. 
how they deal with envy is going to be very common. So, okay, I see this family and look at them. They're having this wonderful time and I bet there's these deep connections hmm. and they just love each other and and here I am if I I can just be satisfied and longing. You ever get down in the dumps and you just want to stay there like yeah. it almost feels good to feel bad, you know. I, I want to cry today. <laughs> I want today is my cry day and so just don't I, I want to be here and I want to get a good cry and get it out. Don't try to cheer me up. Don't try to cheer me up because then it's being fake and, yeah. and type fours are big about authenticity. Yeah. So um, the one to one for type four, and this is interesting, is competition. Hmm. So they unconsciously try to rid themselves of shame and painful feelings by making others suffer instead. They are more shameless than shameful. Mm. They are more vocal in expressing their needs and rebel against anything that brings shame upon their desires and longings. This subtype is the most competitive on the Enneagram. They will use comparison to feel and appear better than other people instead of feeling that they are lacking. They become angry with others for not giving them what they desire. They are kind of the angry for, and hmm. they also they often mistype as a type eight. That makes sense. So it's like if if you're thinking competitive on the enneagram, my mind yeah. goes to a type three. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's like we're going to get this done. We're going to move. Yeah. We're going to whatever. It doesn't say competitive about what. Yeah, that's true. So you have to think about that. You know, type eights are competitive. Yeah. And they're charging ahead with full intensity. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting when it says they're the most angry type four. Um, I feel all these deep things. And so I'm kind of going to project it on you Mm. and the way, so in, in a, in a hope that you'll see how intense it is and feel bad and love me and whatever. So remember when we talked about the type eight, and the condescending, yeah. you know, I'm going to make sure you're tough and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, what? You know, <laughs> you're going to make, you're going to condescend to me so that I become tough. <laughs> so the fours are going to project so that you feel the fullness of their situation. Hmm. Okay. So um, just something to be, if you're the one-to-one of a type four, something to be aware of. Yeah. And again, with what we talk about, if you're aware, you can choose the healthy um, option yeah. to that. You mentioned earlier in our conversation that we use all three subtypes, but one is dominant, one is like secondary, and the last is a blind spot. Do you think that circumstances in life can shift our instinctual subtypes even just a little, like based on what somebody's going through? Absolutely. Wow. So we use all three, and uh-huh. we talked about that earlier. Um, one is more dominant, um, one is um, kind of secondary, mm-hmm. and one, of course, the blind spot. So our blind spots can sabotage our efforts in relationships. We're not going to be perfect, hmm. but we definitely don't want something working against us. Yeah. You know, we're trying to get through life, and if we're not aware of this third subtype that we can go to, mm-hmm. it'll be working against us as we're trying to get better. So that's why being aware of it. Yeah. Um, So for example, for myself, I'm a social subtype most of the time. Mm -hmm. 
but depending on, okay, I need to get my own needs met right now. Mm -hmm. So then I gravitate more to the self-preservation in that moment. Okay. And so I need to, okay, do I have enough food? Have I had enough sleep? Have I have enough, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And, um, what you do. So type fours, it's like, Oh, I'm not that type four. I'm not the one that's really angry. Well, I don't know. Like maybe you, maybe are. you are tired of feeling all this and nobody understanding. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, yeah. now we're going to make you feel a little bit of what I feel. Yeah. And that's just saying in those moments, um, you can kind of shift to mm-hmm. get what the need is of what you want. And if you want to look back at the need, just go back to the beginning of this podcast where we talk about what each one shares. Yeah. Um, So the one-to-one, why do I project on other people? You know, well, it's because of some of the the core needs of the one-to-one. It's it's to help us to have an intense drive for connection and Mm. constant awareness of the chemistry between ourselves and others. Wow. That is amazing. I, I'm I'm loving all this. Obviously, um, we can take a test to find out our Enneagram type. And um, and I believe there is, I think there is even one to find out your subtype. But I know that tests aren't always completely accurate. And we really need to focus on what our motivation is. I heard a funny story and a funny way the other day of, of um, maybe being able to tell what your subtype is and then see if this, see if this works. So, if you're attending a party or some kind of gathering, um, ask yourself, what do you focus on? So do you focus on the food, like where the chairs are, the temperature of the room? If so, you might be a self-preservation as your subtype. Or do you focus on finding your group of people where you feel safe? Then you may be a social subtype. Or lastly, do you focus on finding select individuals that po- will provide you with like deep connections and chemistry? Then you might be a one-to-one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was so neat because I was fun. like, yeah. you know, when you go somewhere, like I, I just heard a friend say the other day, like they are super social and their spouse is not. And they walk right in and they're like talking to all the people. And then they turn around and their spouse has slid off to the side in the corner and like is just hanging out over there. And it's mm-hmm. so funny. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's and it's and it's at every event they go to, yeah. this is what happens. Maybe there, maybe someone introverted goes and finds somebody else introverted and they yeah. go off in the corner <laughs> and they're happy to be there. Yeah. It's like, let me not be the center of attention. Yes. So you really see how the Jomo, subtypes work. Joy of missing out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your final thoughts on subtypes? Subtypes are additional flavoring to our main type. So in the last podcast episode, we talked about wings being like salt and pepper. Mm -hmm. You know, the subtypes are additional flavoring. Uh, They help us get a little deeper to how we see the world. They can also be helpful in getting closer to the person that you've been struggling to connect with. Hmm. Remember, the Enneagram is a tool to diagnose, but Jesus is the treatment. Amen. I think a lesson learned today is don't assume every one of the same type is exactly the same. We, we've seen that. We, and we learned in the last podcast that our wings can make us different. And today we're discovering that our subtypes can also make us look different. Um, God's fingerprint for each of us is so unique. So let's always appreciate the beauty of the uniqueness in each of us that God created us in, in his image. If you're still not sure what your subtype is, ask yourself the questions we just spoke about. Be sure to subscribe to If You Really Knew Me so you never miss an episode and share it with your friends. Until next time, God bless.